Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Car Ride Conversations, the segment of my podcast that essentially takes place in my car and which will be exclusively dedicated to the different candidates from all different parties that are running in this year's general election in Canada. My very first guest is uh, the incumbent MP and candidate for the Liberal Party of Canada for the riding of Saint Laurent. Her name is Emanuela Lambropoulos, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. now. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, I know that we've been talking for a while for you to come on the podcast, but uh, at that time when we were speaking, I had already all the episodes recorded that went up to the election, so I thought you'd be great to have uh, on this uh, segment. So uh, so thanks for being here. I it's appreciate my, it. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for the invitation to take part in this. I got to be careful because this is one hell of a busy writing that you have, so I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to end your campaign short. It's also, you know, rush hour. <laughs> it is rush hour. So. It's okay. We'll be we'll be extra careful. Um, let's uh, let's go back to 2017. It was a huge year for you. Um, the writing opened up after uh, longtime MP Stéphane Zion was uh, uh, was reassigned as ambassador. So there was uh, an open nomination over here. You came uh, completely under the radar. Surprised everyone. Uh, and uh, and picked up this nomination. Tell me about that whole experience for you. Um, well, it was probably one of the most intense experiences of my life. Uh, I was teaching full-time at the time at Rosemont High School. I was teaching French, geography, and history, as well as ethics. And um, one day I get this text message from my friend George in Toronto. And he sends me, so who's your campaign manager? And I had no idea what he was talking about because I was teaching that day. And so I continued, I, I answered a quick, no, you know, I'm putting politics on the back burner because I want to finish my master's. I want to, you know, move up in, in education. And so I, uh, I went home that day, I put on the news and I saw that Stéphane Zion had been, uh, well, taken out of cabinet and that he was considering resigning. So I realized quickly what uh, my friend George meant yeah, when he asked that question. <laughs> Because I had always told him and all of my friends who were involved in politics that one day I would run for office. And I told them that I would only do so once Stéphane Zion retired. Yeah. And so this all kind of, you know, came at, at a certain point. And um, I took two days to think about it. Because at first I thought of it as a joke. I thought it was funny. But then I kind of considered the idea. And I decided to uh, speak to my parents about it first. So I spoke to them. My dad was like, what are you saying? It's going <laughs> you know, to you're going to make a fool out of yourself no, because uh, because you don't you're, you've been out of the loop for a while. Like yeah. you're very involved in teaching right now and doing your master's. And, uh, you know, if you don't know more than the other candidates, plus we don't know who's going to run like you probably have no chance. I've always said, though, <laughs> I know a lot of people in Saint Laurent that I knew that if I tried, I could probably do it. Yeah. So I told him, look, I don't know if that's the case. Like, it doesn't take much for me to get back in the loop. And as long as I'm doing it for the right reasons, uh, I can probably convince people to come out and support me. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, that was what I was doing. I started signing up my members. Uh, I started with my closest relatives and friends, and I moved further uh, into my other circles. Yeah. Um, by the end of three weeks, I had already registered 400 members. Wow. And we had no idea if there would even be open nominations at the time because they were saying that they could possibly be right, someone right, in. Right. 
So uh, I just which kinda... would make sense, right? In a in a writing like this, that is considered, you know, let's yeah. say safe. And it was out of the blue, yeah. right? So it was definitely something that, but I didn't let myself. Um, stop, yeah. you know, even though I didn't let that demotivate me, yeah. I just continued and uh, told myself, look, whatever, I'm having fun with this anyways, I might as well continue and see where it leads. It's not like I was out of work, I was, I was working mm -hmm. full time, but I was going to put a lot of effort into this. And so after a six week period, I had uh, accumulated 1000 members, wow. which, which is pretty good. That's fantastic. Uh, out of, I think, 5,000. So yeah. everybody, the, all of the candidates had accumulated a total of 5,000 and one of those thousands were mine. Yeah. Um, and that, that's that's it. I, I brought the vote out. I made sure that my people came and supported on the day of. For sure. Uh, we used different methods to do that, but... Uh, Tell me about, yeah. you know, learning, um, you know, dealing and learning with all, you know, the, 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 the pressure of mobilizing uh, on such a short like time frame, I, d I work very well under pressure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, more than more than anything. And so I knew I had a team of people who did believe in me and who wanted to help me out. Um, and it was also a matter of prioritizing, right? So up until the moment that I was no longer allowed to sign up people, I knew we're signing up people till the very last second because we want to have a big enough base of mm -hmm. people who can come out. And then we found out three days before the nomination that there was going to be the nomination on the Wednesday. Right. So we found out Sunday that this Wednesday is the nomination. Luckily, everybody receives an email. Yeah. But a lot of these people were older and they didn't have email addresses. Yeah. So we need to we needed to make sure we called. Communicate information, yeah. Yeah. And then, see, this is the funny thing, that as soon as all this is over, you're right back at it, just at a larger scale now, right? It's not only convincing your own members to come and support you, but you got to go after the entire population. Yeah, exactly. I think it helped the fact that it was like a huge news story, the fact that media had not picked up on me at all. Yeah, I was no. actually complaining to them, saying, you're lying. There are three greenlit candidates, not just two. Yeah, yeah. I'm one of them. And they completely ignored me. It's funny that you mentioned it because we knew each other obviously from before. Yeah. You know, I had you on Facebook and I was following what you were doing. And I knew almost immediately when, when you jumped into the race. And it's funny because I noticed the exact same thing. Everybody was talking about the other two candidates. And I was like, what? Yeah. What happened? She stepped down? Like, I don't understand. Like, there's, there's something going on here. Uh, but it must have felt nice, the fact that you were the underdog. And you don't see that very often. And again, especially in writings like this, where they're considered safe writings, where, you know, usually the party puts the people that they kind of want. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that the underdog came out on top is quite spectacular. I think it, uh, it sends a message to young people and to people in general who, you know, are not necessarily handpicked yeah that uh nothing is impossible if you really want it and if you work hard yeah and so that's that's a message that i'm proud to have been a part of and that i'm that i hope to send to everybody who's in that kind of position awesome so you came in, in the middle of the mandate um in 2017 tell me about that first mandate like aside from you know the challenges of you know, learning how to be a politician and getting around, uh, uh, understanding, you know, the workings of government and parliament and all that kind of stuff, which comes with every, you know, quote unquote rookie. Mm -hmm. uh, what were some of your challenges going into, uh, you know, so, starting this new life? Yeah, well, I guess first off, uh, it doesn't help that I was new completely when everyone else already had two years of experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at least everyone else, they were new all at the same time. And yeah, so they had the yeah. same trainings and they were able to learn together. 
so I was kind of thrown into it mm -hmm. uh, and it was definitely a steep learning curve uh, figuring out what exactly my role was on committees uh, figuring out you know how the debate process was going to work in Ottawa and, and how to best represent my people who to speak to if I needed to get out there and, and share the thoughts and voices of my constituents yeah um, but you learn quick because you have no choice yeah. and uh, it's you're there every day and you make but it's the also, most yeah. of each day but it's also that kind of environment that is conducive to, to learning quickly right yeah, I mean no there's choice. so many things happening you're on the go 24-7 exactly like my days sometimes I, I would have no breaks until 8 o'clock at night when and I also up. also the fact that you're not there alone right you have a team of whatever how many you were 170 uh, MPs 160 MPs you get to learn so many things from so many people that were there you know before you yeah uh, and uh, so that kind of helped you to be kind of in that environment and of course of course there were some MPs who from the get-go sat down with me and said look you're new I want to help you like settle down so this is the stuff you need to work on in yeah. your constituency and this is what you need to work on in Ottawa and these are two different things and you know just trying to walk me through the steps uh, the, the beginning um, yeah so that definitely helped for sure that's great um, Talk to me a little bit about uh, Saint Laurent. Obviously, this is where you live, this is where you grew up, this is where you're born. Yeah. Um, some of the challenges that you got to work on in the last uh, in the last two years. So, this is obviously a very diverse writing. Uh, we have a lot of people who are coming into the country, and Saint Laurent is where they come right mm -hmm. away. Yeah. Uh, actually, quite a few Lebanese people have told me like we call Saint Laurent Saint Liban and this is something they know Saint Laurent before they even know about Canada yeah. it's uh, you know they know that they can get services here because a lot of people speak their language uh, they know that this is a place that they want to come to so one of the biggest issues that we do deal with is immigration mm -hmm. um, our office gets hundreds and hundreds of cases every year um, and, and you know, luckily, I have a great person working with with us in immigration who has been working with the House of Commons for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. So having that kind of experience in my office has definitely helped for us sure. help our constituents. Um, you know, we would speak regularly to our Minister Hussein uh, and try to see what could be done for the people that we wanted to reunite with their families. And when we saw that it was a good case and we saw that there was good reason for them to come to the country and that they wanted to work hard and, and all of that we really pushed for them um, that's just one obviously we saw that uh, Saint Laurent has a huge industrial section yeah it's one of There's the biggest more, industrial parks in Quebec yes yeah. there are more jobs in Saint Laurent than there are people mm -hmm. so as much as I'm here and my goal will always be to represent the people I can't uh, you know close my eyes to the fact that I have huge industries in the writing, small businesses, the, the works. Yeah. So um, another big thing that I was doing is working with uh, Navdeep Baines, Minister Baines, um, and economic development and just trying to get as many companies, especially the startups in my writing, as much funding as we could possibly get them. Mm -hmm. um, so that was important uh, because it created jobs. Right, and, and it allowed a lot of these companies to get with the times with regards to staying competitive uh, in their fields and making sure that Canada stays at the top. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about uh, Saint Laurent being a stepping stone for new immigrants, and yeah. there's recently a, a new uh, 
elected uh, government in Quebec that has a completely different uh, view uh, of, uh, of immigration. How has that affected everything in the last year where uh, immigration seems to have been uh, slowed down quite a bit there? Well, I'm hearing it more than ever from the companies, actually. Oh, in my yeah. writing, there's a huge labor shortage. For sure. And uh, companies are constantly complaining that they cannot find enough employees to continue what they're doing. You know, we know that we have a very low unemployment rate, which is great. We know that we've created, or Canada has created over one million jobs in the last four years, which is fantastic. Um, at the same time, you need people to work in these companies in order, in order to, for them to be successful and yeah. to continue what they're doing. So it's a huge problem when Quebec closes its doors or throws out the files of all of these people who are in uh, were being processed. Well, especially, I guess, that it's just uncertainty, right? I mean, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Are they are they going to keep the existing files? Are they not going to keep the existing files? Are they going to transition everything to a new uh, uh, to the new system or not? I mean, this uncertainty, like you said, I mean, is impacting the businesses yeah. uh, at a large uh, at a large degree there. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, the families who have been hoping that this would work out for them. Mm, for you know? sure. Uh, it's unfortunate. I want to talk to you because the campaign uh, at the time that we're recording this is officially started um, and I know that you're a, you're a member of the standing committee on the status of women and I need to, to ask you uh, to give me your thoughts on this whole abortion uh, question that has surfaced in the last month or so. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't think that anybody should have the right to tell a woman what to do with her body. Yeah. Um, you know, whether I personally would or wouldn't is not the question here. It's... I, I've been a high school teacher. I know that some of my students have uh, unfortunately fallen pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And if they didn't have the option to continue living their lives as, you know, teenagers and then eventually young adults and, and learning from their mistakes, yeah. um, then I don't know if I would want to be part of that world. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I've seen some scary things already just from being a high school teacher with regards to a lot of my female students and it's just ridiculous that uh, what's, the, what's the position now officially the, the party you're close to any suggestions from any MP uh, to tabling a private member's bill to revisit this question yeah absolutely I'm happy with what our position is right now I'm happy that women get the right to choose um, that men can't come in and say no I absolutely don't want the abortion to take place yeah um, I think that's ridiculous you know it's it's a lot of a lot is implied when a woman falls pregnant her body completely changes her uh, you know the responsibility that she has afterwards is huge there are women who get raped and unfortunately you know yeah. uh, become pregnant afterwards what are we saying? What message are we sending if we open this question and make it illegal for women to have an abortion? It's yeah. ridiculous. Do you think it's going to become a, an issue during the campaign? Um, I think it needs to be brought to the front. I think it needs to be clear. Because the positions aren't very clear, right? Yeah, even from well, the conservatives. Well, I mean, it's I pretty mean... clear. <laughs> Andrew Scheer is a very right-wing socially. And uh, I definitely think that it needs to be addressed because women need to know what rights could possibly be taken away from them if a conservative government were to be elected. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely think it's a valid thing to discuss during an election period. And uh, we need to be aware because obviously the results of the election could drastically impact our lives. 
So the campaign has started and already things uh, seem to be overshadowed, especially a, a social issue as important as this, mm -hmm. by uh, the whole uh, issue on SNC-Lavalin. Uh, Andrew Scheer just went off the gate right away with that. Do you think that that's going to set the pace uh, during this campaign? I don't. Do I don't think so. And the reason why I don't is because, look, this issue uh, came to light a few months ago. And then, um, you know, the ethics commissioner came out and, and, and uh, gave his thoughts as well. And I know that in the polls, it didn't really affect us very yeah. much. Um, I think that people understand why the prime minister took the position that he did. He was protecting Canadian jobs, thousands and thousands of Canadian jobs. And not only that, but what she was claiming when she says that, uh, well, when, when uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould says that, you know, he was interfering in a way that he shouldn't have. I mean, you know, he told me that he was a member of parliament for Papineau and this was important in his writing. Every MP should have the right to go to any minister and say, <laughs> what exactly the decision how the decisions will be impacting will impact, their yeah. writings if he wasn't going to do that for papino then how is papino being represented they elected him for a reason mm -hmm. right they're the ones who put his name on the ballot uh there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to your minister and saying look i'm the member of parliament for saint laurent and this decision could drastically take away this many jobs in my writing and it's you know can we can we look at other options are there other options that we could explore yeah um and, and i don't think that he was in the wrong in, in this case because well, you mentioned the polls i mean it certainly hasn't it doesn't seem to have impacted uh, uh his support at least in quebec but in the other provinces it's a completely different story right so uh, not ontario i mean ontario uh, the conservatives are not doing so well. yeah um there are other reasons for that but I, I do think that we're doing decent. Yeah. I mean, I think we're doing pretty well. And I think that people, the closer and closer we get to an election, people are going to realize how they've been personally affected by the changes that our government have brought into place. Yeah. Uh, speaking of changes, and, and specifically with your writing as well, I want to talk a little bit about marijuana legalization because that was obviously a main topic uh, in the last campaign's uh, platform. Uh, you know, Justin Trudeau went through with that. And I know for a fact that in writings that have, you know, more or less huge concentration of ethnic uh, communities, it's a, it's a very touchy issue. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if people have been talking to you about that when you're, you know, you've been doing your door-to-door, -door, you've been meeting citizens in the it's last... It's been uh, brought up, but yeah. not overwhelmingly. Yeah, and in yeah. general, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think the reaction is? I mean, I think some people are satisfied with it and others aren't, just like... No, on, but specifically, like in Saint Laurent, like, yeah. what, 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 what are people's reactions to that? Um, again, it, it really varies. But yeah. in Saint Laurent, I have I have knocked on a few doors where people are like, "Look, we're not happy with uh, the fact that it was legalized." Mm -hmm. You know, um, and the argument that I throw back is, again, <laughs> I've been a high school teacher. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was teaching secondary two students. I asked all of my students. I, I taught the entire grade. I asked all of my students if they had ever done it or if they knew somebody their age who had done it and every single kid put their hand up yeah at, at least they knew somebody their age who had done it whether it was them or not and uh this was before it became legalized yeah and that just goes to show you that this was already something that was a problem and that the current system before was not working mm -hmm. so if you're not going to try to do things to change certain things then you know 
I don't see a problem in, in trying to change it. Yeah, because see, the issue wasn't really uh, in terms of the accessibility uh, to the marijuana, because like you said, I mean, the youngsters already have access to it if they want to. It's more uh, controlling, uh, contr you know, having some sort of control over it, and more importantly, uh, in the quality of the. Well, that's uh, that's obviously the why they did it, right? The, the, obviously, accessibility was one thing because now, uh, you know. It, it's a lot more punishable if a, if a youngster does have it on him. Uh, if we find someone sold marijuana to a young person, that person yeah. can go to prison and that person can be fined. So um, I think that we are still protecting young people within, with, with these laws. Now, of course, um, Quebec throws you guys the curveball and they increase the, the age to 21. What's, uh, what's the reaction there? that each province and each municipality does have the right to isn't, isn't, do what they isn't, want. Isn't there an issue somewhere? Because, you know, the, the, the more, you know, we're talking about accessibility to, to, to marijuana, and there's obviously case studies that have proven that, uh, you know, the youngsters that, that smoke marijuana obviously uh, impact their, their brain development by the time they're in their 20s. So there was this huge uh, wave of uh, controversy that came out of Quebec when they decided to raise the age to 21 because from whatever age the kids are, you know, uh, sorry, let me just merge over here. From whatever age the kids are, uh, you know, have access to, to marijuana, up until the age of 21, what are they stuck with over here? You know, they're stuck with the garbage? Well, the thing is, again, like, we're regulating it. We're making sure that people have uh, better strains of yeah. marijuana. But at the same time, um, we're, we're punishing people for selling it to youngsters, right? So if it is done illegally for young people, uh, they're gonna get caught. And look, it's what was already done before, right? It's not like it's changing anything. Yeah. Yes, Quebec could sit there and raise the, the age, but before it was illegal altogether. Yeah. So... Uh Tell me a little bit about Bill, oh. uh, about Bill 21. I know that uh, Justin came out today. Justin, I'm acting like I know the guy because <laughs> I do. Justin Trudeau. Uh, he came out today and basically uh, he said that they wouldn't get involved with Quebec's uh, Bill 21. Um, how do you see Bill 21 in terms of, uh, you know, the human rights uh, aspect of it? Well, when it came out, I, I rallied against it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm but the fact that the federal government, if ever the liberals uh, come in, uh, you won't you won't be challenging that. Um, I don't think so. I think that you know it, it's unfortunately up to the province, and if they've created this law, I think that it's probably going to stay. It was challenged. Uh, it's still being challenged, and hopefully at one point, uh, you know. Yeah, the argument is that they're being, they're, they're challenging based on the. Um, uh, the, the whole aspect of the, north, the notwithstanding clause and if it's applicable, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where they're implying that the federal government might come in and say that... Uh, that's what I'm... Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm not sure exactly... You know, it's obviously not my decision in the end. Yeah. Um, we are the party of the Charter and we do believe in, in human rights and we do believe <laughs> that everybody should have uh, their rights respected with regards to their religion. Um, and it's very unfortunate right now that there's a shortage of teachers 
and that a lot of very qualified young women are basically not able to go back to school uh, this year and are looking for jobs in outside of Quebec. It's ha- really sad that that's You have quite a bit of population, the uh, Middle Eastern population, yeah. uh, Muslims. Have Has anything come back to you? To, to it did in the beginning, before yeah. uh, the law was made official. Um, people were asking what I thought they should do to, you know, to, to stand up against. And so I gave them a few recommendations and I told them like, I have, they have my support. Um, again, I, I stood up and I made sure that I attended a few rallies and spoke against it as much as I could. It was, it even made the news, <laughs> the leaders uh, of different parties had stuff to say, but whatever. Um, yeah. uh, tell me, um, <laughs> Uh, tell me a little bit. I want to talk to you about the platform. Uh, your platform isn't available yet. Obviously, at some point during the campaign, we'll get to see it, and especially yeah. uh, the budgeting and the cost analysis. Um, you've obviously been briefed uh, as a candidate. Tell me a little bit. What can we expect the Liberals to campaign on? Well, we know that uh, the environment is a huge uh, preoccupation right now. Not only for, you know, just everybody is quite preoccupied about it they should be anyways there's, there's one particular party that isn't as much but yeah. let's uh, <laughs> not go there um, so definitely you can expect to see a lot on that you can expect to see more on uh, on infrastructure we're going to continue to uh, try to create jobs we're going to continue helping the middle class and that's what we're going on right uh, housing affordability middle class environment uh, things that are going to help families make ends meet and that are gonna you know continue being a huge support for a lot of our population how do you uh, how do you convince your electors uh, to get behind you and support you once again when you know the certain big promises that were made in 2015 that weren't kind of followed through uh, you know I'm thinking of you know the electoral reform uh, the pipeline the, the trans mountain wasn't part of the platform but that is stalling uh, and the one thing that I think that you guys were gonna, are going to get attacked on a lot during the campaign is just the budget. You know how off it's been from what um, Justin Trudeau was uh, was saying, right? Uh, he was campaigning on, uh, you know, doing a mild deficit and balancing the books for, nine, uh, for, for for 2019, and you know he's going into this campaign with an accumulated deficit of about 70 billion dollars. Um, how do you how do you convince your your constituents that? the commitments that are going to be made during this campaign, uh, you're going to stick through them and, you know, to get them behind you again, to support you. Well, I think that over 90% of the promises made were kept. I think we have one of the best records of kept promises uh, in a very long time. So I think that's something we need to focus on as well. Yeah, maybe a couple of things weren't done, but I think most governments and with many things not being done and, and we don't have that many things that haven't been done. So I think that we've kept well to our promises on the on the whole. Um, so that's not. I don't find it very difficult to convince them. Actually, when I go to the doors, obviously I'm in a stronghold, but mm-hmm. uh, people just keep telling me, you know, thank you for for what you've done for our family. Thank you for you know. We notice at the end of the month uh, the help that we're receiving because we have four children that we're you know we're raising, and uh, it it definitely helps us. I think that's what people feel at the end of the day. And so, you know, not only that, but again, the economy is doing well, um, especially in Quebec. 
It is, it is doing well, but th there was there was an analysis that came out a couple of weeks ago that that was suggesting that the U.S. is probably going to go into a recession next year, and obviously that's probably going to have an impact uh, in Canada. Mm -hmm. So regardless of the fact that the economy has been doing well in the last four or five years, which is spectacular because you're going into a campaign now with record numbers, right, in employment, yeah. uh, you know, and all that, uh, but. Assuming that in a year from now we're going to suffer the impacts of a potential recession in the U.S., uh, having a deficit of seventy billion dollars is a huge deal, though. You know what I mean? It's going to. We uh, still have a, a low debt-to-GDP ratio. Yeah. I think we're doing very well. We've had the most growth in all of the G7 countries. I think that all of those things should take in, uh, you know, take space as well in, in people's minds, and they should understand that. Yeah, we we do have a deficit. Um, we never said that we were going to fully balance the budget. In fact, we said we would be investing because it was a time to invest. And so we invested in infrastructure, we invested in people. And um, that's, that's why we're at a deficit. But at the end of the day, we're growing as well. More people have joined the middle class. More people are working than were before. And this is obviously helping to stimulate the economy. Mm -hmm. Super. Uh, we're going to close it up. I know that you're busy. The campaign has officially started. Uh, any last words? Uh, what, what kind of message do you want to uh, give out there to your constituents? I'm just, uh, I would like to just say, uh, obviously, the Liberal Party and our government has done a lot of great work. Um, and we'd like to continue that great work. We'd like to continue supporting and helping families. We'd like to continue helping grow the middle class. And we have a huge plan on the environment, a plan that is going to work. And uh, I think that we cannot afford a conservative government at this point in time. So I'm really hoping people take into account, uh, you know, the environment when they're going to the ballots. And, you know, the, the fact that the child poverty rate has gone down drastically since we got elected by 40 percent, actually. Um, these are really important issues that, that people need to remember when they go to the polls. Thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck.